Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your Source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 205 for the 16th of Sivan in a leap year. So we live in a world of dualities, a lot, a lot of dualities in our world. So think about it. So we have hot, cold, fast, slow, up, down, right, left. Even if you look at computers and how computers are built, computers speak in the language of binary. It's really at the fundamental level all, all of computer language is made up of zeros and ones. We've talked about the idea of how art is really made up of lines and spaces. Music is made up of notes and silence. So really on a fundamental level, there's a lot, a lot of binaries, a lot of dualities here in our world. This is something that not only Judaism has recognized, but this is something that we see even in other cultures as well. So a very big example of this is if you might have heard of the idea of the yin and the yang. This comes from Taoist culture. And that also brings up this very strong recognition of this fact that the kind of like on a fundamental level of existence of our reality are these two polar opposing forces. And what I think is interesting is that Really, if you look at these different cultures and the way that they talk about these two sides, these two opposites, it, they, there tends to be certain things that fall into these categories on either side, and they really do tend to line up pretty well with what we learn about in Jewish and specifically Kabbalistic or Hasidic literature. So it's like on the one hand, you have the side of the right, which tends to be the side of the more masculine. It tends to be more expansive. Even when people talk about, for example, another example is like the right and left hemispheres of the brain. The right side tends to be more responsible for abstract thinking, more like uh, artistic expression, creative thought, like it's kind of more expansive in nature. And then there's the other side, which is the left side. This in many cultures is thought to be the side of the feminine. And this is also the side of limits. This is the side more of darkness, of restraint, of constraints. In uh, in brain hemisphere understanding, the left hemisphere is more linear in its thinking. <clears throat> this is where we process math and we process language. Just as like maybe a little disclaimer with that right left hemisphere philosophy, it's not as simple as people think it is. And there's actually a lot more overlap and connection between the two hemispheres than many people think. But I just felt like I had to put that in there. But uh, on a basic level, there is something about what happens in the right hemisphere and what happens in the left hemisphere. And it tends to fall into these two different categories. We know that the masculine and feminine, these two different genders, these two different opposing forces are very much present in our society in many different ways. Many languages have different words that are masculine in nature and then some that are feminine in nature. One thing that I think is really interesting just on a, a current 
events kind of topic and not to get too political with this, but even nowadays when people are bringing up this whole like gender discussion and gender norms and, you know, claiming that there was like multitude of genders and all that stuff. What I think is interesting to me about this whole discussion that people are having is that even when they start getting like muddled in terms of like the definitions of things and expanding different forms, those two binaries still exist. So they'll still be talking in terms of masculinity and in terms of femininity and in terms of how masculine a person is, how feminine a person is and those things. So the terms are still there, even if they're trying very hard to escape them, they can't really escape them. So we've been learning about these ideas in Tanya in the past few episodes, right? And the way that it's come up in the context of our discussion is talking about the idea of how within God, at least in terms of our relationship with God, we experience these two opposing forces as well. So on the one hand, we experience God in terms of his greatness. This is the more masculine, so to speak, level of God. This is the level of God's expansiveness. This is the level of God in which we define how, in which we understand how it is that he creates the world, something from nothing at all times. So creation is a very expansive concept, right? It's like God's bringing things into being at all times, something from nothing. He's making many things. He's projecting himself out into the world. And he's putting his godliness, bringing it in these all, all these manifest ways in the world. On the other hand, we have this other side of God that we experience, which is equally, if not more important, which we call the symptom. This is God's attribute of his Gvora, his restraint, his might. And this is what allows there to be a creation at all. This is what allows it to be so that we don't all just lose our existence entirely being just like subsumed in God. So this is what we think of as the left side. This is the side of the more feminine aspects of God. And we've been discussing all of this together and how the both sides are really necessary. And we started off with the right one, the idea of God creating the world something from nothing at all times. Then we talked about how really, though, in order for it to be so that, that we perceive ourselves to have an existence of our own, it's necessary to also have this last left side as well. And then we started to dabble into this idea of how they both actually, both of these sides, well, they seem to be so opposite. They have something in common, first of all. What is it that they have in common is that ultimately the human mind can't really grasp what it is what we're, that we're talking about when we talk about God's greatness or God's might, God's power of, of creation and expansiveness and God's power of restraint and holding back. We can talk about these things, but ultimately both of them fundamentally are above our heads, above our intellects. And we also started to talk about, and today we're going to get deeper into this, that they both come from the same place. So that's the note that we actually left off with last time is about how they both are sourced in this same in the same place, really. And that ultimately we know that God is totally unified with everything. So no matter which attribute we're talking about when it comes to God, ultimately it's the same God who's manifesting these two things. So just like, let's say if you had a parent who sometimes is being really strict with her children and sometimes she's being really loving with her children, it's both coming from the same mother, even though the manifestation of what she's doing are very, very different. So this is what we're going to get into today is this whole idea, a little bit getting a little bit deeper into this understanding of how it is that these two attributes, these two aspects come from the same place within God. And not only that, we're also going to understand how th this 
aspect of them stemming from the same place is actually really above our comprehension. And it's such a lofty idea. And if we think we understand it, we really, really don't. To the point that even Moshe Rabbeinu, even Moshe, our teacher, he himself did not understand these things. He couldn't. His vision didn't take him far enough to be able to comprehend how these two attributes really fundamentally are coming, are the same, are the same, are sourced in the same place. So let's get into the text. And today we are going to be learning the entirety of chapter five from Sharhe Chudba So here we go. So uh, the altar rabbi begins and he says about this whole idea, about how it is that this idea of symptom that we've been discussing, this idea of God's constriction and how he, it was that he created the world. We, uh, the sages taught this idea and this comes from um, Rashi and uh, Embracius, and also Embracius Rabbah, like in the Mish- in the Midrash, it talks about this, that there's this this idea that's that's taught that in the beginning, God thought to himself that he wanted to create the world out of strict judgment with the Midas Hadin. And then he saw that the world would not be able to exist. It wouldn't be able to uh, endure in this way. And so he added in a little bit of his mida of rachamim, of, of mercy. So let's just think about that for a second, especially in the context of everything that we've been learning so far, is that basically what happened is we know that originally Hashem is all chesed and Hashem like has this like impetus to create the world through his chesed. But he realized like that this wouldn't be possible because if he just created the world through chesed, then the world would not be able to have an existence of its own. We'd all be nullified in our sources the way that sunlight is nullified in its source. So then he said, okay, I'm going to create the world with Dean, with the polar opposite, with Tzimtzum. But then he realized that actually even creating the world just truly through Tzimtzum and Dean, that actually would be too much for the world to handle. It would be too, it would be too harsh basically. So there needed to be a balance. So then this is where God added in a little bit of Rachamim. And now the altar rabbi goes on and he says, what is this Rachamim that Hashem added back into the world? This is the revelation of godliness that came through tzaddikim and through the different miracles and the signs and miracles that we find in the Torah. Because it's sort of like these tzaddikim and the miracles we find in the Torah are like a little hint to the fact that God is still here. It's like a reminder to us that God didn't leave us really. Because without this, if we only had a world of deen, if we only were in the, living in this world that was totally deen and symptom, we there'd be no out it'd be like being in an escape room that you don't even realize you're in an escape room and there are no clues at all it's like you're just we'd be totally stuck within our own reality so these different miracles these different tzaddikim that Hashem placed in the world for us are like little hints hints to us like hello there's an outside reality I'm looking over you okay so now the ultra bit continues and he cites the Zohar, where it says that above, in the side of supernal holiness, there is the right and there is the left. Meaning to say that, and this is alluding to chesed and gvura, these two attributes of chesed and gvura. So what does this mean? What does it mean when we say that in the, when the Zohar says that above, in the side of supernal holiness, there's the right and the left? So the altar boy explains this and he says that both of these, what, what the Zohar is trying to teach us here is that both of these attributes of God are both godliness. This attribute of chesed and the attribute of gura are both godliness and they're both above the intellect and the understanding of, of creatures, of creations. 
because both he and his attributes are one. As is explained in the Tikkun Zohar. It's, it talks about this in the Tikkun Zohar, that in the world of Atsilos, him and his garments are one. So even though we experience duality, as I talked about in the introduction, everything that we experience are on these like opposite poles. This is how we experience reality. On a certain level, when you get high enough in the map of like, God, God's creation and manifestation, when you get to the world of Atsilos, which is called the supernal world, this is like, again, where all of God's attributes are totally unified with him. It's like really going back to the sun itself, the source itself, so to speak, but like in a really revealed way, then and that you can see that you're in the sun, then in that, on that level, then the differences, the duality actually totally disappears because we see that both of these things originate in the one God. So it's like, again, going back to that mother or father who like is sometimes acting with severity and sometimes acting in a giving manner. And then it's like you go back into who they are. And then it's like you see that really these two things are coming from the same place. And then the altar goes on and he says that even Moshe Rabbeinu, Allah Shalom, of blessed memory, he, even in his prophecy, he was such a great prophet. He, he, he was not able to understand this level of Attilus. Not at least in like a very direct way. The only way that he was able to under, to have a sense of understanding in the world of Attilus was through it being vested in the world of Bria. And even on that level, he really not, he still was not able to understand these two attributes of Chassan and Gvura without them being enclosed in the Midos and the attributes which are lower than them on a level, which are the attributes of Netzach, Hod, and Yesod as is written in the Shari Nebuah. So that, that's a little technical, but just, again, so to break that down, so basically what the altar was teaching us here is that Moshe Rabbeinu, who's like considered to be the most highest prophet, prophet in the world and was able to see on the loftiest of levels, even him, he wasn't able to perceive the world of Atsilas directly. The only way he was able to perceive the world of Atsilas is it through enclosed in the world of Bria. And even with the world of Attilus being enclosed in the world of Bria, even still, he wasn't able to see these two attributes of Chassid and Gvorah in a direct way as they were enclosed in the world of Bria, but rather they needed to be enclosed one, even on one more, with one more garment, with one step lower down, which is them being enclosed in the attributes of Netzachod and Yesod. And then the altar of it continues, and he says that it's only that Sadiqim and Gan Eden that have the reward to be able to understand the influence of this light that is drawn down from these two attributes of chesed and gvura. And this is actually their food. This is the food that they get nourished by. Those tzaddikim who were involved in Torah study, lishma, like for this, for its own sake in this world. So how is this? Because the influence, the influx of these two two attributes comes down from a firmament, which is hovering above the heads of these souls that are in Gan Eden. And this firmament is called Raza Doraita, the secrets of the Torah. So if you want to like, like kind of have a visual of that, so it's like what's happening basically is that you have these tzaddikim and they spent their entire lives involved in Torah study for its own sake. And their reward now is that they get to be in heaven and they experience this semblance of the unification of these two attributes. Like they, they really sense them on a, this supernal level from above. It's like this firmament that hovers above them and gets dropped down to them. And this firmament is called the, the secrets of the Torah. 
And why is it called the secrets of the Torah? Because within this firmament is the secret of the 22 letters of the Torah, which were given through these two midos. So we spoke about the 22 letters in a previous episode and we've mentioned it a few times and how that's the basis of all of our reality. And these 22 letters of the Torah really were manifest through specifically like these two channels, these two attributes, um, as is written. And uh, and here's a citation from Dvarim, which is very interesting, where it's from Dvarim chapter 33, verse 2, where it says, Mimino esh dat lamo, which literally means from his right hand, he gave unto them a fiery law. So what does this mean and why is it so intriguing? Because the right hand we know is the attribute of chesed, the attribute of giving. It also is associated with water, like water flows, it flows downwards. But then it's interesting, it says from his right hand, he gave to them not just anything, he gave to them a fiery law, a law that is associated with fire. What's fire? Fire is is gavura fire is restraint fire is harsh it it consumes whatever it's around it's on the left side so this is an allusion to the fact that the letters of the torah really contain within them both they have both of these aspects to them and so now going back to these neshamos and ganeden so from this firmament that they have they there's there's dew that drops down from the firmament and this serves as the food their food for them in ganeden and so what this means, how, how did they get nourished from it? Like how do they eat? Are they eating like sitting down at a table with a fork and knife? No, it means that they are actually coming to understand the secrets of these 22 letters of the Torah. Because this firmament is the secret of das, the secret of knowledge. And Torah, and this Torah is the, the food for the neshamos and Gan Eden. And the mitzvahs are the levushim, their garments. And all of this is explained, concludes the Alter Rebbe, in the Zohar, Parsha Svayakel, on page 209 and 210, and also in the Eitzchayim, uh, the gate Shar Mem Dalid, uh, 44, and chapter 3. So that's the conclusion for today. And so again, so just to recap, the basic idea that we learned today is this idea that we do live in this world of duality and it's very real. It's, there's the right side and there's the left side. And this is how we experience reality. We can't get out of this duality of life. And but nevertheless, we can appreciate the fact that ultimately these two forces, these two sides of, of right and left, chesed and gvura, they come from the same place. They ultimately are sourced in the same place because ultimately they, they come from Atsilas and within Atsilas, the attributes of God, of God are one with God and there's only one God. And this is again, going back to Shar HaYichod V'Amunah. This is what we're learning, the gate of unity and faith. So it's unity. We're go always going back to this idea that we may experience things as dual, but really in reality, they're just one. And this is such a lofty concept that even Moshe Rabbeinu could not understand it. So it's like, I think we're left, we're meant to be left today with these two ideas, again, a duality of on the one hand, understanding that these two forces come from the same place, but yet also accepting and surrendering to the fact that this is something that we can never really, really grasp. It's beyond the ability of mirror creations to be able to understand. And the only people that only beings, so to speak, that can have some kind of like actual appreciation and understanding of this are the souls of Tzadikim who are in Ganeiden, who spent their lives devoted to Torah study for its own sake. And they 
they experience this understanding by way of like this firmament that hovers above them, which is composed of these two attributes and really, but is as manifest through the 22 letters of the, the Torah, which we know that the Torah is a composite of these two things, which is, it was given with the right and, but yet it was fiery. And the, these uh, souls in Canadian experience this nourishment through dew that comes down to them. And this gets expressed in their minds as understanding the secret of the Torah, the secret of this whole thing. So that is it for today. And tomorrow we're going to move on to chapter six and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.